Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Are artists exploited in South Africa? I think, or maybe the, the wording should be just how are artists exploited in South Africa? Music industry, but I think we can talk about other industries as well. And uh, there, there's so many stories. Is it just people who don't know what they're going into when they sign up for uh, uh, with a label? Are the labels literally exploiting it? Let's see how we can steal money from people. We've heard many stories from, from big names. Uh, Margaret Sengina, uh, ben, Brenda Fussy has been involved. Mary Makeba has been involved. These are huge names in the music industry, and they all seem to have a story. So let's find out a little bit more. Where do we start? Let's go to Eugene Mtetwa who's a member of parliament, a businessman, cultural activist, and performing artist. Start with them. Eugene, thank you very much for joining us. Are musicians exploited in South Africa? Big time. Good morning. Good morning to you and all your listeners. I can tell you that it is a common feature since the death of Masatini. It's been a question that has not been answered. Why artists die poor? Mm. It is because they are robbed. They are robbed their sanity from the beginning when they become artists for a particular record company as early as before they even record an album, they become indebted to the company. Give us details. What do you mean? What I mean is that uh, the industry has always taken advantage of the vulnerability of artists. Many of artists you would know by nature in in our sector many of the artists are not educated from from way back it has been the situation where people get out of school because they are drawn by the talent now when they get to the record company immediately during the times of Masatin, there were talent scouts who would be the middlemen like your labor brokers between the record company and the artist and they will not tell the artist what what it needs to know about the sector about the industry. And they will take advances on behalf of an artist from the record company as early as then. And say, Ubasi Uti, the big boss says, they go to the record company, they say the artist needs a place to stay. Remember that Johannesburg is where everybody comes to because the industries. So if you are coming from um, rural areas, you're coming from another province, you come here, they will house you at their own bedrooms and then say to the boss, the artist needs food, the artist needs housing, the, uh, I mean, place to stay, the artist needs transport money to go and market and do it. All those advances were never declared to the artist and they knew that the artist will never know how much his or her uh, record has sold. Mm. So they will give them whatever they decide to give them. You might find that somebody has taken 20,000 rents in advance and he doesn't tell the artist that he has already taken 20,000. So by the time you have to end your royalties, there's a video uh, budget, budget for the video that will be deducted, recouped. There's money that the advance has taken. They will compile and pile everything onto your statement because they know also that you are not able to read the statement, to understand the statement. So you will receive whatever that you receive and be appreciative that you got 5,000 rand when you have sold 50,000 mm. units. You know. Uh, you mentioned royalties. So it continues even today. So, all right, we'll get into that. You mentioned royalties. What is... I mean, I got no idea. If I sell 
10,000 records at, I don't know, 100 bucks a record, how much money will I make as, as the singer? Uh, sorry, I didn't get that question. If uh, I sell 100,000 records, sell 100,000 records at 100 rand yeah. a record, how much money do I make as the singer? Well, it depends what your contract says. Okay. Um, if you are, for instance, and also the circumstances under which you are, you are signed with the record company. For an artist previously, it would be around 7%. The highest paid artist in the country then was Brenda Fassi. That's how fast she could go yeah. at 10%. All right. 10%. Okay. Now, this was, this was a big brand, but she died when she was at 10 or 11%. Now, that 11%, it is also considered after the company has recouped what it says, what it tells you that it has spent. If you have gone into a studio and the company says, the budget for the recording of your album was 100,000, they must deduct that before they pay you. Well, so it is not the 10% or the 11% of 100% yes. of the sales of the album. It is 10% or 11% of the profit so they go in and take the risk but before they pay you they take their they recoup their money so they come into business at zero cent yes okay but still they don't give you 50 percent and share with you 50 percent of that they give you seven percent of that profit I, I find it amazing. We're going to talk to an entertainment lawyer in a moment. Uh, but Eugene, I find it amazing that the labels get you into a studio to make an album for them, but you have to pay for the studio time. That, those are the things that were so wrong about the previous setup. Now we are in the, in the digital space. It's even worse in the digital space because the company company doesn't spend much. Remember that the digitization of the music, uh, the, the availability on digital spaces, it's, it's close to nothing. You don't pay anything. I can do it in my own bedroom without any company. Yes. But you still have companies that will say uh, they will pay an artist 20%, 25%, yet they are not spending some, I mean, they're, they're not spending much these days. Artists do their own video clips to promote. If you look at the music that is selling today, the highest sellers today are people who are not even having videos. Mm. Are people who are just doing their, sp their small video clips and, and have fans to do video clips and then they circulate that, it goes viral and then the music is sold. But from that, the problem with now today's setup is that you have to have streaming of about a million yes. to even make a breakthrough to say now, now you are making money, a bit of money. You know, it's less than one cent uh, for hundred thousand. Yeah, I would. I, I heard. F some, I, mean, I heard somewhere that it's zero point zero one American cents per stream yes. or something. It's so small. Yes, it's so. It's such a fraction. Now you can't make money from your sales. What people are now making money from is live performances. Now, the the industry then swiftly moved swiftly moved into monopolizing that space again. It moved into signing artists as three, on a 360-degree contract, mm -hmm. which means that they own 
your music, whatever that you make with your music, they will get a percentage. If I do paraphernalia, uh, um, clothing and whatever that has my brand name, they must get a piece from that. If I go and perform, even if it's a show that I have gotten on my own, mm. they must take a percentage of that. So they own you, totally own you. And the worst that we need to deal with very soon, it is the issue of being exclusive to the record company. Yes, they don't pay for the exclusivity. Unlike when you go to United States, an artist, when it's signed in the United States, it gets a signing fee. You immediately become a multimillionaire before you even release the album. Right. But the very same companies that do that in the United States, when they do, uh, when they sign an artist in South Africa, you are indebted to the record company. Okay, don't go away. Eugene Tetua is a member of parliament, businessman, cultural activist and performing artist. Let's talk to an entertainment lawyer because it seems as if an entertainment lawyer is extremely important in this situation. Nick Mudzukis is uh, going to help us through this. Nick, you heard those the plights of artists from Eugene. As an entertainment lawyer, would you say you should be the first port of call when a musician gets phoned by anybody? Morning, John. Morning, Eugene. Uh, morning to your listeners. Um, well, hopefully, uh, with fair and decent contracts, away with the need for entertainment lawyers. But I think that Eugene hit the nail on the head when he used words like vulnerability, mm. education, what the artist needs to know, and so on. You know, he, he was talking about um, matters such as recoupment and uh, advances being being taken back by by the label and three sixty degree contracts. You know, I very often tell my students um, at, at the institution that I lecture at, which is Academy of Sound Engineering, that, that I, I very often tell them, and this is one of the first things I tell them, the two most important words in the music industry, folks, are not talent and looks or fame or fortune. And yeah. No, the two most important words in the music industry are contract and copyright. And because literally, honestly, John, everything that that um, that a musician can earn really comes down to those two sources, contract and copyright. You think about a live gig, there's a contract involved. There. You think about the royalties that come from a sound recording or from writing a song that that is copyright. Now, Eugene was was absolutely spot on when he said there's a lack of education. It's government's responsibility or at least the state's responsibility to educate the music industry. And I think that's right, because what is what is likely to happen when you when you have an industry that doesn't know its own rights and doesn't know its own royalty streams and certainly contracts and copyrights? What is going to happen is that they're going to be taken advantage of. And the music industry is, of course, notorious for this. But actually, when you analyze it, music industry is no better or worse than any other industry out there. What you've got is a situation where you've got these armed up companies and it could be in any field. It could be in the music industry. It could be in the telecommunications field. It could be in the mining industry. It doesn't matter. What happens is that you have these armed up powerful corporations, which then take advantage of the lack of knowledge of their now employees or their contractors, in our case, the music, the musicians. Now, this is a problem because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, the South African music industry is complex. It's unnecessarily complex. It just is. 
this is for historical reasons it's it's for for reasons of of uh, greed and conflict and take uh, uh, ad adopting the policies of of overseas companies and trying to one size fits all them to our scenario and the result has been a very very complex and conflicted music industry and I've written a book about this, uh, and 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 you know, the answers seem very simple, but it always seems to take years, if not decades, to get to those answers. But the fact of the matter is that it's complex. That means that a musician in South Africa needs to be educated about the industry. I myself got into this because I myself was a touring drummer. I was a member of a of a popular band, and uh, back in the eighties, and and we got ripped off. We got ripped off left, right, and center. When I look at the contracts that I signed now, and you got to remember, I was a qualified advocate <laughs> at that point. But but I look I look at the contracts that I signed now, and because I was so seduced, shall we say, by the luster of fame, I I ended up signing contracts that, that I mean I hardly even read them, let mm. alone understand understood them. Because you know the music industry has its own language, its own nomenclature, its own conventions, its own way of doing. Doing things. I mean, I didn't even know what a mechanical royalty was or what a performance royalty was. I didn't know any of these things. And yet I signed and I was a qualified lawyer. You don't learn this stuff at university. Mm. And I realized early on that you have to you, you have to start gaining this knowledge yourself. There's no internet in those days. So I started I started consulting to, to my own band as my first client. And then Mango Groove also got ripped off. So they came to see me and then sent Bill Donna and all the rest. And 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 then the publishers and labels started to talk to me because I was the only guy in town doing it. And then the collecting societies and then government itself. But the, the, the bottom line was that I learned over over the years. I had to learn as I went. And finally those notes that I kept all the way along, and believe me, I made a load of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and I gave a lot of bad advice as much as the good advice. But eventually that became a workbook, which became my handbook, which became uh, my textbook. So now there is information out there. Mm. There are courses. There, there are there are textbooks the information is out there I, I would i would recommend to any musician listening to this to this broadcast that you don't go to auntie google auntie google first of all is american and secondly <laughs> she's not and thirdly she's probably wrong so don't do that but but go go to a south african educational resource mm. and they exist read do a course you know, it can only take three months, but learn about the business side of the industry. You can be the greatest musician in the world. You can be the greatest technician in the world. But if you do not understand copyright and contract, your chances of succeeding are less than zero. Yeah, I was going to say Taylor Swift is, is everybody claims, everybody raves about how well she's running her business, for example. And and I think that's important is it's, it's all very well talking about being an artist and uh, but you need to be a businessman first eugene teto i bring you in here before we go to traffic quickly uh, how important is it to say well let's let's forget about being an artist we need to be a businessman and woman first well it, it is something that i i championed with all my heart as early as the time of dr paulo jordan may his doctorate rest in peace um he you see, I was saying, according to our political understanding post-1994, we were saying we need to level the playing field. Now, you would agree that a person who has been in music business 
uh, as for, for instance, the Hashi Lim Shope, many others who've been in the music for long enough, undisrupted, they would qualify to do an MBA. Okay. And I was saying, why is the department not partnering with an institution of higher learning to assist them to get many artists to be educated around music business? Because yes. when, when all this was happening, as, as you had, uh, uh, the, um, my my Leonard friend here, the advocate, that music business is not what you get at school. Okay, you don't get that. They they didn't even have a music course that would give many artists the music business side of of things. You have many graduates, the Don Lakers and whatnot, who have graduated, but when they finish, they come and work with people or under people who are not even educated. The, the principal artist who's leading there and he's, he's behind with his keyboard. He doesn't have any music business acumen at that level. So that's what I was pioneering for. But I was speaking to a very deaf government. And that is why I have moved into that lawmaking space. And guess what? I discovered that people who are making law on our behalf know nothing. They know nothing. We are faced with the performance and, and copyright uh, amendment bill. They are just pushing it by virtue of having the majority power, which is the NC members, but they don't understand what it implicates, what it does. That particular performance uh, uh, amendment bill is supposed to salvage that it was introduced first and foremost for people who were who were not getting royalties as session musicians who would only be paid once off fee for having participated in an album but they realized that these songs keep on playing and their creativity is not recognized or acknowledged but, but to, till today since 2002 till today there's no session musician who has earned royalty and the department of trade and industry is not willing to come in and say we have made the law that should bind you to pay artists how many artists are dying saying we don't receive our royalties. But we're seeing, so you, we, you ha we're, Sorry. Seeing, we're seeing artists hanging around with politicians. They're at these election events. They're going to functions with politicians. And they're having the conversation. I'm going to be rude on that one. Deliberately rude on that. And please pardon me in advance. I was one of those artists who was used like a condom. They use you and throw you away after, after the campaigns and the elections are over. So any artist who's subjecting himself to that, he is declaring war against his own children and his grandchildren. If he wants to maintain the rule of ANC, that has failed, dismally failed and shown that it has no appetite, especially with our industry. I mean, look at the copyright and amendment. How long has it taken? First and second admin. We are now going into the third admin. That bill has not been signed. No one thinks properly that when you say fair use, you can't go to court and say this is fair. In fact, you can't quantify what is fair. What is fair for you might not be fair for me. Now I must go to court, which is what has led many artists to die poor because mm. they did not have the support, the legal support. There were very few 
lawyers who understood uh, the entertainment industry. And those lawyers would be used to draft contracts for the gallows for what what. Now, if I have to consult, I must go and consult Mark Rosen, who has drafted the very same contract from Gallo, to say, Mark Rosen, tell me what is underneath the written, you know, uh, underneath the, uh, the black and white uh, pe uh, 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 pen that you've written this contract. What does it mean for me to deal with it? It was just unfortunate. That's why he says um, these were meant deliberately to subject, to sub. Uh, to suppress, to oppress, especially those who were coming from the previous cities' advantage, and in most cases, which are blacks, uh, Africans were black. All right, Nick Majukis, entertainment lawyer. You heard what Eugene said there. Is it, is it possible to self-publish? Can one, can one skip all of the the contract work and go? Okay, I can make this from my bedroom, and I'll put it up on the interwebs and become a millionaire. Yes, absolutely, John. It is possible today. For the first time in history, right. the internet and technology has made this possible. You know, um, if, if you look, I think it was Jay-Z who said, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it sounds like a flippant thing to say, but it's uh. actually true. And what, what Eugene was talking about there is treating your own career as a business. Do not think that somebody else is going to handle all the conflict for you and handle all the deal, deals for you. You know, you might have a manager mm. who is there to protect you from the rest of the world, but who's going to protect you from him if A, he's dishonest, or B, he's he's not capable of, of, of he's not understanding of the industry. So, um, you need a team, yes, but you, don't, you also don't need a team these days, because the internet provides everything that a musician needs, from publishing yeah. which is the the management of your compositions the, the your original compositions all the way through to releasing your sound recordings and your music videos through distributors that we call aggregators online today uh, all the way to booking gigs digitally and managing yourself and and um d doing doing online um uh, synchronization deals and corporate sponsorship deals and the whole thing is available on the internet but you've still got to understand those rights you've got to understand your copyrights and they're not easy complex and you've got to understand the contract that you're signing because when you click here on one of those websites you are signing a contract even, um, even if you put a youtube video up of yourself in the room you're you're handing rights over to youtube you you are agreeing to YouTube's terms and conditions, and they can monetize that video in favor of whom, whomever they decide is the correct copyright owner, and very often they're wrong, believe me, huh. and <laughs> they can exploit that video. They can choose not to monetize it, but you've put it up, and you've clicked on those T's and C's when you opened your YouTube channel, and that, that uh, unfortunately, has been the downfall of many creators. Now, look, let, let's just... Let's just go back to something that Eugene said, said and touched on, which I think is very important to read. He talked about the copyright amendment bill. Mm. And I'm sure you've all heard about it. And I want to rehash what's already been done in your program. But I, I, I reiterate, it's very, very important that we get our copyright laws right. And unfortunately, what is currently sitting before the state president is not a law that is right. Because of exactly what Eugene said. There's a fair use provision in it which would make it easy for the likes of Google and YouTube uh, 
to use your copyrights and then simply claim that it's fair use. And then the onus of proof is on you to go to court to prove that their usage is not fair. So that means, folks, that the enemies, the real enemies, are no longer the record labels and the publishers and the managers. The real enemies are American big tech who have come into our country and and they have said and they have said okay well you know we don't we don't mess around with with regulations and our own internal rules we mess around with national laws and we're going to go in and we're going to change laws in countries and you know why they're doing it john do you know why they're doing it not because they care about south africa and the money they're going to make out of south african content not at all they're doing it because so that they can go to europe where they're losing this fight and wave South Africa as a banner and say, oh, look, South Africa, the only negotiated settlement in the world, the only political uh, uh, settlement, the, the most advanced country. All right. South Africa's done do, do what they have done. All right. Nick uh, Mazzucchis, we have to leave it there, entertainment lawyer. Thank you very much. Eugene Tetua, quickly, you've got 30 seconds. Wrap it up for us. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I just want to say that I'm in the right space. And Nick is so right with everything that he has said. At least today you had people who are sound on the issues, not people who get in it as fly-by-nights to come and say they, they are administering the industry. That's where the problem is. We have people who have come in to manage even these collective societies, and yet they have never done even a single song or recording in Alba. And they are taking advantage of the vulnerability of these artists. So I am there to fight the battle inside. And I'm going to do that by any means no and, and necessary. Eugene Mtertua, thank you very much. Member of Parliament, businessman, cultural activist and performing artist brings us to the end of the show.